Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. So welcome everybody, welcome everybody online. If you're visiting with us, Crossroads Shore, uh, honored that you'd take the time to be with us, to come and worship with us uh, while you're either on vacation or visiting or back for a season. We'd love to connect with you. There's a little... I think Mady mentioned a little card in the seat back in front. Um, you can put a prayer request on there. You can uh, put your email on there if you want to get on to our email list to let you know everything going on in the life of the church. Um, but sure glad you're here. We last week started a new series called Not Just Human. And uh, I, I hope you'll wrestle with that title a little bit. We're going to move through this series wrestling with that idea um, of being spiritual in a secular world. And the first part of this series, we're diving into 2 Corinthians chapters 3 through 6. And so I just really encourage you, church, to dive into this book. This is Paul's most intimate, personal book that he's writing to the church. He's sharing more of his own um, life and and passion than any other um, book in the Bible, um, or at least book that Paul wrote. And so we're going to look at these um, chapters because in each one of them, they have this power punch of something that really we need to wake up to in the sense of what does the Bible say about us and about our heart and what God has done and wrestling with this idea of who are we. And uh, so I just want to begin, I'm going to roll out uh, for us this morning uh, kind of a a simple graph uh, that we'll be working on through this series. Uh, Because what I know is that we of the church has not done a really great job of in discipleship teaching each other about what you know what this what is this immaterial aspect of our body what is self what is my heart when the holy spirit comes in what actually happens uh, to really know ourself now, there's a lot of talk out there i don't need to tell you obviously we are way down the line right our higher education has embrace the philosophy of self at the center and we are reaping the consequence of that. We are a self-centered, a therapeutic culture that uh, everything revolves around our feelings and us. Uh, All of culture has been reoriented that direction. And uh, so it's all about um, this inwardness, um, getting to know yourself. But here's the reality, folks is that we are completely incapable of knowing ourselves unless we know God. Now, that's a big statement, right? Because the rest of culture, right, is just self-help, you figure it out, you know, uh, all these things. But all I'm left with, without God, is self. And my flesh, we'll talk about what that is, this tendency towards sin and towards selfishness and everything else. And I'm left with the powers of the world. Right, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, all these things. If I do not know God, I can never really know myself. And this is why the great commandment Jesus says above all, right, is to love God what? With all your heart, soul, mind, your entire being, right? And then what does it say? Love your neighbor as yourself. And if we don't do it in that order, folks, we can never, we can strive, but we'll really never understand ourself and more importantly, understand truly who God is. The greatest need of the hour in the church and in our community is for people to come to an awakening of 
of who Jesus is and what he's done for our souls. Um, that's the greatest need of the hour, of every hour throughout, throughout of history. Um, question to begin with, what is forming your heart? What's forming your heart? And how much time do you actually spend forming and looking to your heart? Um, I think it was Kierkegaard who said that uh, the problem with busyness is it leaves no time to form a heart. Now, can we all relate to that? I mean, who can? I mean, we just get busy, right? We can go weeks, right? Days without ever sitting back and just reflecting like, man, where am I headed? What's going on in the inside? What am I wrestling with, right? I mean, we can go sometimes whole seasons before we really wrestle with, man, what is going on? What's going on in the inside? And so I want to just begin, I want to roll this, um, this little graph out. And don't laugh at my sketches. <laughs> it's a work in progress, all right? And you're going to help me as we go through this series, okay? So... Um, First, we've got to understand some dynamics. As we get into the text, as, um, we'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6 this morning, is I just want some terminology for us to think, because uh, what I believe and what I know is, um, for a lot of us, no one taught us this. No one taught us, what is our heart? What is your soul? Can you articulate that? What are your emotions, your mind, your, your will, your decision making? Where does all that fit into this? For most of us, we haven't been taught that, or we've just, through uh, uh, education, learned psychology. Right? But, we, but from a biblical standpoint, do we understand? And, and so this is an attempt right, to just simply put a structure down of the immaterial aspect of who we really are. And so, um, just to begin, is, uh, here's the amazing thing, folks, of the gospel is that little heart there in the middle it's a, is the very core of our being. This is this deep, deep place. It's where our spirit resides. Your spirit is the only thing that communicates with God. That's the place where God touches His breath in your life. That science staggering, isn't it? Um, the, the arrogance we have today to think that we can take hold of our life when we did nothing to get this life. When you really think about it, we have very little control over who our parents were, we were born, right? All the big things in life, we have very little say in, but oh, we want to be arrogant, right, to take control of our life, right? Um, at the core here, the Bible tells us that we're born into this life with a dead spirit. That we're born dead to God. That we're born, just going all the way back to Genesis, that there is a deadness, there is no relational connection to God. All we have is self. All we have is our mind, this soul here, this living soul of a mind, emotion, and will. And at the core of that is just myself and my flesh that make decisions the best I can according to the influences in my life. And that moves out right to my body, what I do with my body. That informs what I do with my body and everything else. But here's this amazing thing. This is the gospel. What happens is that God shines His light. You go back to the very beginning of Genesis, the beginning of the Bible, and it says that darkness is over the earth, and there's a whole story of why there was darkness. Uh, We won't take time to get into that this morning, but then it says the Spirit of God was hovering over it, right? 
And it just says that God commanded that light shined into the darkness. And we can see all right, the New Testament, John picks up on this right in the first chapter of John and says that the light came into the world. And you go to chapter 3 of John and it says that but we did not want the light. We enjoyed the darkness. We enjoyed keeping things in the secret. We did not want to be exposed right ultimately to God. And, uh, but it says that for God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son that whoever should believe in Him in order to receive the light of God inside their heart, that they would be saved, that they would not perish. And the reality is, without that, all we're left with is self, and that is losing heart, and that is perishing. But folks, when Jesus came, He came to shine His light and to awaken, right, through the Holy Spirit, to awaken our inner spirit, so our spirit is now awake. It's been dead, it's come to life. And now the Holy Spirit resides in us, the very presence of God inside our heart. In now in communion with our spirit. Romans 8, it says our spirit now is in fellowship right with the Holy Spirit, whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. The reality that we are a child of God, the reality of awakening us to how God sees us and loves us, and our true identity that we can now walk in that. But just a little sign, now we'll get into a lot of this, but that is, in other words, when God saves us, it's from the inside out. Right? When the, what the world does, everything to self-help, any other religion is from the outside. It's what I do on the outside with my body that informs my thinking and ultimately my heart. Only the gospel of everything in all the world can awaken, illuminate your heart. And bring your spirit and bring my spirit alive, right, to understand who God is. The question this morning for all of us of utmost importance is Has God's light shone in your heart? Can you give testimony of God's working and illuminating your spirit? You lived one way by the self before, but the when you met Jesus, you became a new creation. Do you know the day? Do you know the time when that happened? Today we live in, again, this kind of mushy world of spirituality. You won't find that in the Bible. When people met Jesus and His light awoke and hit their heart, that something radical happened. There was a shift in mentality. There was a new conviction in the heart of of unrighteousness. There's a new desire for the Word of God. There's a new hunger for God and and to worship Him and to honor Him with my entire being. I was this way and when I met Jesus, I'm this way. Not that everything's changed overnight, but there was at the core a radical awakening to who God is and how much He loves me. Has God's light shone in your heart of the utmost importance. Folks, the question is not how long you've been in church. The question is not have you been through catechism. The question is not how many Bible studies you've been through. The question is not have you been to seminary. The question is not how much theology you know. The question is not how much of the Bible you know. The question is has God's light, the Spirit of God, shone in your heart and awakened you and awakened your spirit to new life, a new creation in Jesus Christ. If you're here or if you're watching and, and you're, you're not sure where you're at with God and, and um, 
I just hope, if anything else, the clarity of the gospel comes through um, this morning. To understand the difference between the gospel and anything else, any religion or philosophy, it's wholly different. It's something the Spirit of God does only upon you, supernaturally inside your heart to save you and make you a child of God. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You just have to receive it and long for it and ask for it and receive. Right? It says the word faith comes by hearing the word of God, honoring the word of God and receiving it into your heart and asking God to illuminate right, your heart. And so with that said, let's dive in this morning. 2 Corinthians. And folks, I just really encourage you, dive in in these few chapters. 2 Corinthians chapters 3, 4, 5, 6, and the first verse of chapter 7. And just read through them. There's some deep water. Paul is describing his own conversion, his own understanding of the very core of his spirit, the very core of his life that is to be our experience, right? If we are to walk um, with God. So, Father, we come to you now in the name of Jesus. Um, Lord, may you increase. May we decrease. We want more of you. Holy Spirit, may you bring a fire anew, afresh. Lord, we're ready for it. We need it. Your church needs it. Do what only you can do, Lord. Fan into flame, Lord, the reality your presence, your glory, what you've done for us, what you called us to. Rock us, Lord, out of this comfort and out of this numbness, Lord. Restore zeal to your people, God. Restore, Lord, our sense of responsibility with the Word of God. Hunger, let these seeds plant in us, Lord, and birth fruit hundredfold, Lord. Yes, Jesus, come. You increase. May we decrease. Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. As John three thirty, um, that's what John the Baptist said to his disciples as he looked and pointed them to leave him and to follow the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. May he increase; it's time for me to decrease. And folks, there's something powerful in the simplicity of those words of when God's light has shone in our hearts. Our mentality of growing and following Jesus is, Lord, more of you. Right? I lay down, I surrender my will, my emotion, my feelings, my decision making. Lord, more of you. Let this supernatural life, let this abundant life you've promised come alive. Right? In, inside my life. Increase, Lord. Right? So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. I'm going to just, um, this morning, uh, I'm going to, don't have a bunch of points I've put up because there's too many. <laughs> so we're just going to walk through verse by verse and, and uh, just pull the treasure right from this, okay? So I hope you're ready to dive in. Therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose hope, church. Paul is writing to the church and, and he's telling, therefore, we have, since we have this ministry, let me just backtrack, what is this ministry? You go back to chapter 3. It's this new covenant that was given to Paul and given to all believers. This ministry, you go to chapter 5, we'll get there in a few weeks, right? You are a new creation if you know Jesus. And because of that, because of God's light shining inside you, you are to be, you've been given a ministry. Do you know that? 
It's not just those in vocational ministry. You all, if you know Jesus, He's given you a ministry. And chapter 5 defines that as being those who, because of the love of Jesus, being a witness for Him that you have been given a minister of reconciliation. That you now are to be the light and salt to help and love people to be reconciled who are bound up, right, with self bound up in the lies of the world to help set them free. To be loving agents to reconcile them to God. Please be reconciled to Jesus. He's the only one that's going to set you free. The only one that's going to bring peace and love and these things to your heart and make sense about who you are. Be reconciled to God. And so Paul says, Therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. And so I just throw this question out to you is, and this should be a question that we each ask each other and I throw it out to you to use. How's your ministry doing? How's your ministry doing? How's your ministry at home? How's your ministry with your friends? How's your ministry in the workplace going? If you know him, you're responsible for that ministry. And he wants to use you to be salt and light. He didn't just shine in our lives just for us to just sit around and and reap all the benefit of what God has for us. He saves us to be a light for him. To be in partnership with him. To be on mission for him. Because he's reconciling he, everything on earth and heaven together again. And that day is coming when the completion, that's why I say, Lord, come, let's do it. But until then, he's given us his church, the ministry of reconciliation. How's your ministry? You need to ask me that, but guess what? I need to ask you that. How is your ministry? Do you know what that is? Are you praying for it? Are you encouraging each other with that? It's by the mercy of God. Can't force it, boy, when we force it, when we get in, you know, the flesh gets involved, it gets ugly, right? And that's religion. It says, because of that, we don't lose heart. Wow. Because the mercy of God and this ministry of the new covenant, we don't lose heart. Now, folks, I want to go to this. What does it mean to lose heart? We come into this life. We are born into this life with a dead heart. Dead to God. Needing to be reconciled to God. Let me just camp out there for a minute because we wrestle with this. I can just tell. Yes, that little baby is dead to God. And if you waffle on that, you miss the entire gospel, folks. Do you know that? And because we've awful on this, we think we just kind of move into this muddled ground that, oh, we talk about goodness, right? And we lose the magnitude of our need for Savior. Everyone, no matter who they are, all the grounds level at the cross, we need His grace. We need His awakening, His Spirit to come in and to make us alive to Him again. And if we waffle on that issue, we miss we waffle on the first three chapters of Genesis of what happened there, the fall. We miss the entire gospel. We miss, and everything else will be corrupted, and we will be captive to a world right, that puts salvation in man's hands, elevates man's intellect, right? We do not lose heart, Paul says. Do you know what it is to lose heart? Folks, I, I just we could just drill into this. The church is struggling right now especially in the last few years. 
It's time for a renewal. It's time for revival. And throughout history, you can, you can look at it is the church loses heart. And if the church loses heart, what do you think is going to happen to the world? And he's restoring, right? People's zeal again, their heart again, right? And folks, you know what it's like. I mean, we don't, you don't have to read far. Just look at the stats. People aren't just, they've lost heart, but they are, they're in bondage. They don't even know what their heart is, right? Because of the lack of joy and anxiety and everything that reigns and rules today. But it should have no part among God's people. We're people like Paul. We've been given a ministry. We've been given enlightenment. The Spirit of God is inside us. So we do not lose heart. That informs my mind, my thinking, my emotion, how I feel is all submitted to the gospel, what God has done for me and will, my decisions, right? Verse 2. But we have renounced. Now Paul is defining here, remember, Paul is writing because he's getting big kickback from, from the church that he planted. This just gives us great insight to the inner turmoil inside churches and, and the people that, that he planted this church is, is they're kicking back on him, right? It's, and, and he's having to, to get subtly in an interesting way through this letter, right, to their heart to restore their heart again and see how they've been led astray with teachers that have wrong ambition and wrong gospel and everything else. He says, but we, in other words, when Paul speaks about the we, he's talking about him and his little band of apostolic prophetic leaders, right, that planted and traveled around and encouraged the church. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways, refused to practice cunning or to tamper with the word, God's word. But by open statements of truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. What Paul's doing is he's separating him and his ministry from teachers and other leaders that would tamper with the Word of God, that would tickle the ears of people. Um, folks, I just, again, boy, we could drill down, we could be here all day, but we are entering into a new season Right, we're culturally in the church, right? Is the people, right, are because of self and everything is happening in culture, is that we just want our ears tickled. We just want to feel good. And I hear it all of the time. Steve, you don't make me feel good. <laughs> and my reply is Well, you know what? That's not really my job. Feelings is an interesting thing, right? Is um, so, gang. This is something so so important. So please listen to me. We've lived, um, and I'll just speak of my own experience in decades of ministry now uh, in different church environments. Because of self ruling and, and just our culture, and we're at the epitome of it now, right? We're reaping the results. The results of self on the throne, right? Is that now you or anybody can. Uh, determine their own gender, right? That 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 that, that we even think that's a legi- that a legitimate. Just a few years ago, people would think you're you're not just illogical, but you're going crazy. That shows how far we've gone. But 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 look how lulled we are to buy the lie and not look below the surface, right? And to see the incredible bondage, the bondage that goes with that, the confusion that goes with that. 
And so how that's affected the church is that we have created this idea that we need to make people feel comfortable. We need to, to, uh, to teach, and we've created somewhat in the church kind of an entertainment, consumer-driven kind of thing. Um, and so let me just bring you back to what this is about, what preaching, what church is about. This isn't about coming and, and feeling good about yourself. If you look at all the context of Scripture, it's about me coming before God and being open to being convicted by Him. So His grace can come and forgive me and wash me, that I can be renewed, right? And I can grow and more in who He is. And that's ultimately feeling good, right? Um, I know it's from the inside, from the very core of my being, where the Holy Spirit is the engine, rather than letting my feelings and self dictate my life, right? Um... But what needs to be restored, folks, in this is, um, remember when Jesus taught, just read anything in the New Testament. When he taught, he gave a parable, he gave a strong teaching, and he did not break it down, and here's the five steps you need to go do. He didn't do it with an entertainment value. He didn't sit there and, and share about his emotional struggle with what was going on personally in his life. Nor did Paul or anybody else. The goal was to preach the Word of God, to teach and put the Word of God out there. And the response on the people was, now you, once we've heard the Word, it's up to me to go to God and to apply it. And do you see the shift that's happened? In our culture, right, there's this idea that we're, we want to simplify it down. And I look, I'm the first to say, I just want to say, Lord, just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do. Right? Give me, give me the steps. Give me the thing to do. Do you know that's not God's purpose of teaching? Well, there is some doing, but more importantly, you know what? He wants pursuit. He wants my motive involved. He wants me to come to Him and hear from Him. And the problem is we go listen to podcasts, we have a thousand things we can listen to today out there, and, and we take, and there was my question for you is, how much of conviction in your life of what you know to be true is you receive that revelation from God's Word and God versus you heard it from another teacher? You're never to take my word just for it. I, I'm here to do that. I'm going to stand before James 3, 1, before God and give account, not many of be teachers, you're held to a stricter judgment before God. The goal of this is to put the Word of God out there accurately. And it is for all of us to say and to go before God, Lord, what do I do with this Word? See, it's much easier if I was just to say, hey man, here's the, here's the fun story to make you feel good. Here's the Don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with some of that stuff. But at the core, the point is is are you willing to take the seed of God's Word when it hits your heart and to cultivate it? Or when you leave here, do you go and just about your business and like the parable of Jesus, He's told this parable for a reason, and the bird comes and takes that seed away. Or you take the Word and you don't really take the time alone with God. Lord, you show me how to respond to this Word. And what happens is the, what, just the weeds come up. Man, the concerns of the world come up, Right? We all know, we've all been there. And that, and that truth just goes away and I never really apply it. Or, if somebody tells me what to do, applies it, right, what they got from God, and then I try to go to do what they did. Do you, do you see the power of this? 
We don't go and respond just because somebody else says we do. Has God told you that? His light, has it shown in your heart? So you can go to the Word of God and after we teach and lift it up, right, that God can speak to you and He hopefully is speaking in the midst of when we gather as a church. And so church, I just want to restore to us proper ministry of the Word and what should happen in church. And to eliminate where we've been as a culture, the entertainment factor, the feel-good factor, the just-fix-me factor, Right, the, the minimizing of sin and the hard things, the minimizing of, a, of the requirement of holiness, minimize all of this. And to minimize, oh, oh we can't put that upon you. We, whoa, you know, folks, Jesus never did that. He put some really hard stuff out there. He expected the ones who were hungry. If you're thirsty, he says, I've got life for you. Anybody thirsty out there? He just didn't give people the answer. He actually says he kept revelation from people because he wanted to see faith rise. He wanted to see response. You know what we've done in America? The absolute opposite. The absolute opposite. And so I just, again, leading this out this morning, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with the question of, has God shown in your heart? There's no more important question for you to absolutely be sure of and be able to give a testimony of. And here's the environment right, where we're to walk alongside each other. We're not to all be the same. We're not to be all responding the same. We're to be pushing each other on. What has God said? What is God doing in your life? What does God tell you about this scripture, about this truth? What's He doing? Without conviction of the Spirit, folks, there is no radical transformation. Again, that's why across America today we don't see kind of this typical biblical Salvation is when somebody meets Jesus, they are overwhelmed. They're a new person. They have a new language. Their mouth, the way they speak, it's different. My desires are different. Something changes. And if it doesn't, the chances are the light hasn't shone. It's just one piece moving, hopefully, someone to a place of brokenness and desperation, reaching out to Jesus. And so, folks, when this is the case, when, when the listening, and, and remember, look, we could go to 1 Corinthians, and we'll be there, actually, in this series. And the Greeks, they demanded a sign, or they demanded wisdom. Oh, prove this to us, Jesus. Paul, prove to us the Word of God. Let's get into an apologetic. And you know what? The church, and boy, I've been in this world, it sucks us right in. Okay, let's argue. Let's get into an intellectual battle here. Folks, salvation does not come through the mind. It never does. As we're going to see, salvation, the Spirit of God, hits at the core of your spirit. It's a supernatural event. No one has been saved through their mind. The world blinds the mind. Listen to this. Because people just want to have their ears tickled, just want to be fixed, just are consumed with their own issues rather than a focus on who God is. What does Paul say? Verse 3, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. It's because they're happy living with self. 
They don't want God to come to that kind of revelation. They're happy. They just want to feel good. They just want to manage their self. They want a little bit of God, right? They want the stamp of God, but they don't really want God at the very core of their, their being. The gospel, the truth of the gospel is veiled to them. And you look at verse 4. In their case, the God of this world, that's the devil, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who's the image of God. That's the cost. And there's a spiritual warfare going on. And the enemy is at work blinding. It says he's blinded the mind of the unbeliever. To unbelieve is to live in a world with self on my throne, susceptible right to the lies of of the God of this world. And that's the devil. All the way back to Genesis, right? It's heavy stuff, huh? And so folks, I ask you, is the gospel veiled? Paul's writing this to the church. You can sit in church all your life. You can go to a thousand studies. You can pack your mind full of all the biblical knowledge in the world and have your heart dead to God. You can be the most religious person in the world. You can go through a thousand hoops, right, to have looking really religious, this, right? The Pharisees this is what Jesus hammered these folks the most, right? The self-righteousness. Without coming to a place of brokenness. God, I need you. I need you here more than anything else, right? Um, now listen to this. Um, well, let me, let me just point out some of the verse 4. This is so important. In their case, the God of this world has blinded what? Blinded their what? Their minds, right? Their mind. In their soul. Because here's the deal. An unbeliever has not been enlightened, or a Christian who thinks they have, has a dead heart. So flesh, so the self is on the throne of their life. So the enemy, the God of this world, he doesn't have to worry right at the core. Matter of fact, he doesn't have the power to get there because it's already dead. All he has to do is come and get your mind. The war is right here. And we're going to get to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 in this series, right? And, and Paul right, says this one of our weapons are not of this world. He says, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That truth alone is radically powerful. If you know how to do that, that means that there is light in your, you're letting the Holy Spirit on the inside inform your thinking. But here's the truth of this passage, is the enemy is blind the mind, and folks, we're going to get to it in just a minute here, but when God saves, He awakens the heart. Salvation is not a mind awakening, It's a heart awakening. At the core of our being is when God's light shines and the Holy Spirit comes in and awakens our spirit at the core of my heart, the core of my being. And now I have to learn to submit my thinking, take captive every thought to what now? To my heart, because guess who I'm trying to make the Lord now of the throne of my heart is Jesus and not myself. And that my spirit is now alive and hungry in fellowship with God. This is the place we commune with God. This is the place that my thinking, my emotions now need to be submitted to. And we've talked long on it, but I just want to say, 
right? Is there's nothing more destructive that's happening today. We're leading people down a, a road of death and destruction when we affirm people's feelings over the truth. That will do nothing except lead someone to greater bondage. Even in the midst of Christian counseling, if there's affirmation of my feelings over truth, it is going to lead in a place of exalting self in my life and being at war against the Spirit of God in my life. My feelings need to be submitted like my mind and thinking to Christ. Because He's on the rule. He's, he's in the core right of my, of my very being. Verse 5, for what... This is so great... For what we proclaim is not ourselves, Paul says, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants. The Lordship of Christ. Is He the Lord of your life? Do you know what it means for Jesus to proclaim He is Lord? And not just of my life. To proclaim that means of the world. He is the Lord. No one reigns higher. For right now, the God of this world is the enemy, but we know where that's going to end, right? Jesus is reconciling everything in heaven and earth together, and He's beginning by, by coming. And our role with Him is the ministry of reconciliation. He's starting by reconciling His children back to Himself and shining His light inside our hearts. Um, we proclaim not ourselves. But Jesus Christ. And folks, I would just say, I'll, I'll throw it out here. If you ever see me with a high priority of proclaiming myself, my experience, my whatever, versus the Lordship of Jesus, you call me out. And I say, you listen to a podcast, you listen to anything. If it is more about them and their charisma and their knowledge and their whatever, than it is raising Jesus as Lord. Do not. Turn it off. Turn it off. And this is the world we live in right now. It's the same one, nothing new under the sun. Paul said, we don't proclaim ourselves. Right? This is not about an emotional dump or, or, or for me to make you feel better about where you're at because where I'm at, it's about preaching the Word of God and lifting up the name of Jesus that we all would have hearts convicted. Right? To lift and see Him for who He truly is so we can truly be transformed and not led by feelings or, or whatever. It's going to the line of, of things that we all right, want our ears tickled with. And now the final, this is just... Folks, I just encourage you, meditate on this stuff. I mean, this is a well that will never run dry, but listen to this, for God, who said, let let light shine out of darkness, going all the way back to Genesis, affirmed again in in the New Testament, in the Gospel of John, chapter 1 and chapter 3, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And Paul is giving that truth out very personally because if you remember Paul, right, he was a persecutor of the church. He was a murderer, right? He was a zealot, right? He thought he was in the right direction until he was on the road to Damascus to go and to take the Christians and put them in jail and God's light, Jesus, blinded him. Stopped him in his foot tracks. Paul was never the same. I ask you this morning, have you had a Damascus Road experience? Not like Paul, we're all different. But have you had God's light shine in your heart where you were different? A new creation, you were saved. You're redeemed. Your heart changed. Your affections changed. Derek talked about affections. 
And this idea of the lordship of Jesus is one of our key, uh, the elders have got seven key fundamental things of spiritual maturity. The lordship of Jesus is fundamental to all of that. Is He Lord? Is He Lord? Um, Derek, y'all, make your way up here because we're going to just have some ministry time. I just want to uh, end with this statement here. I want you just to think about it, just kind of a summary of uh, a summary of these verses. Um, the God of this world, the devil, blinds the mind to the gospel. But when God saves, He goes deeper and He illuminates the heart. Only the gospel of Jesus can awaken the heart. The world is bound to self and the mind. So the heart is lost. This is why Paul says, we don't lose heart, church. No matter what happens, God has brought His life, His Spirit into our heart. We will live forever. We cannot lose heart. And we need to encourage each other with that, right? Sometimes we have to sit back and and really get down to, again, to restore the reality of what God has done. He's shown in my heart. He's saved me. And folks, just again, I want to keep reminding you because it's amazing how we just don't pay attention to things. But above these doors, when you walk out, is Romans 10 15. Just look up. And that's a good practice for all of us. Look up. We lose heart when we look down and we get focused on ourselves. Look up. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And all Jesus asks you to do is to be a vessel, bring, be an overflow of the joy of what is Jesus, to testify, what has Jesus done for you? This is not talking about a step or a, a program or anything else. Is, is we are to lift His name up as Lord. Let me tell you what Jesus has done for my heart. He's awakened me. And because of that, is my affections, as Derek was saying, should be welled up in this place. It should be seen in how I worship Him. How the church worships is one of the biggest indicators of the affections of my heart. And there's no way around that. I'm sorry if you grew up in a stoic thing. I'm sorry you won't find that anywhere in the Bible. Because I can promise here in a few hours there's going to be a lot of moving, a lot of shouting. In the uh, big celebration happening, we won't name it. Um, My affections move out to my body. My hands, what I do, my voice, what I say. The countenance of my face. How I worship the Lord. And when He restores and renews us, it, it, it is seen in how we worship. So folks, has God's light shone in your heart? Please just don't. If all you have is because of some story of church or some class or something, now has He? Lord, Show me. So, Father, we just come to you. Lord, more. Lord, you say in Luke eleven thirteen, you say, how much more will you as our Heavenly Father give us more of the Holy Spirit, more of your life? We want more, Lord. And 
Father, I just lift up anyone in here. Lord, if they're unsure of that salvation, let them lay down their religion, let them lay down everything. Let there be an awakening of the affection, Lord, to cry out, I'll, I want you, God. Save me. Let me have this experience of Paul just being one way. Lord, I want that new creation. I, I don't want to question it, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Let each of us this morning, in this time, respond to your word. We're responsible. How do you want us to respond? Move among us, Holy Spirit. For your glory and your name, Jesus, the name above all names, we rejoice in you, God. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.